0: Welcome to another episode of Breaking Through with Elena. That's me. And this is the podcast that celebrates women in the entertainment industry and tells their stories of how they broke through in their field. We also like to address the unique challenges women face today in the workplace, of course. Now, before I tell you about this week's guests, I wanted to take a second to just Thank you for all of these sweet messages about the episode with Miranda Lambert last week. I was overwhelmed with the response and I just so appreciate each and every one of you who listened and really appreciate those of you who took the time to reach out. It meant the world and yeah, thank you. Now this week I invited someone who has been a staple in the Nashville industry for years. She has won two Emmy Awards, a CMA Award and an ACM Award. She also helped to develop Lady Antebellum and wrote a little Garth Brooks song you may be familiar with the river yeah and that's just naming a few of her accomplishments i am so excited for you guys to hear from victoria shaw and she's got something really cool going on with pbs right now that we will definitely get into so let's get things started it's breaking through with victoria shaw well, now that we've had our eyelash conversation, <laughs> Victoria and that I have important. been in here talking about fake lashes and magnetic <laughs> lashes, which I really need to look I'm into. Because really it can. seems like one of those Instagram things that can't be true. It's like too good to be true, exactly. right? Exactly.
1: But I, I, it's, I've I, seen it enough. It's passed through my Instagram so many times. I'm like, I'm just gonna order the damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. Lashes is how we start a conversation.
0: <laughs> Victoria Shaw, thank you so much for being here. I'm so happy to be here. So let me tell you, I was thinking about this when um, I was getting ready to do this interview. And I was like... Like, wow, it has been a minute since we actually did an interview together. It was like right when we were launching Nash Nights Live yeah. and we had a songwriter's kind of series little bit on our show and we had you and you told such incredible stories <laughs> and it's always stuck with me and I'm just so excited that we can now talk. I think like Five years later, about your story. Well, I don't like to, you know, over overstay my
1: welcome. So every five <laughs> years, I like to visit. People. There it is. That's, I've actually seen you before. You know, yes,
0: before. I've seen you all through the years. But this <laughs> this is so great. I've been wanting you to come on the show for a while, so I'm excited. And where I really want to start uh, with you, and, and for the sake of this podcast and telling your stories of how you broke through, I just want to start with where you actually decided to start taking music seriously as a profession.
1: I I mean, my first thought of my answer was gonna be three. I mean, I never wanted to do anything else. Mm -hmm. I always thought I would be an entertainer. You know, I think there was a week I wanted to be an astrologer, you know, when I was a kid, (laughs) but other than that, um, no, I just entertainment music. I just wanted to be in show business. I knew I was going to, it's the only thing that interested me. Yeah. And I had my first band when I was 12, you know, and worked and did school dances and Uh, weddings and parties and always had bands. So um, that was my goal. That was my passion.
0: Well, when you were 12, were you able to really kind of start seeing the business side of the whole music industry? Because you were actually booking gigs and stuff, right?
1: Yes, actually, our drummer booked most of the gigs. But uh, (laughs) and they were my sister's friends. So they were uh, three years older than me. So I was allowed to go to the gigs, but I had to go right home afterwards. I couldn't go like (sighs) to go to pancake houses and stuff like that because i was you know my parents were like uh you can't hang out with them you can just play with them (laughs) but um i don't know about the whole business thing but i certainly kind of got to start honing my my performance chops Mm -hmm. you know and how to how to play in front of an audience and how to try to keep them engaged i'm sure that was the beginning of the i'll tell you what really gave me my education was playing in the in the bars in oh
0: yeah were you ever traveling with your band when you were younger yeah. it was always local Just weekend bands yeah, yeah. I mean I one time saw um do you remember you know the band Paramore yeah when I was like 14 or 15 I saw them perform um in San Diego and they were not from San Diego and I remember Haley that lead singer seeing yeah, yeah and and I saw her um out in the lobby and I was so excited to meet her and it was my first moment of like oh, she was on the phone with her mom. And I was like, oh, right, she's Be a kid real. too. Yeah. And like, you know, experiencing all of this crazy stuff. So I've always admired like younger people who actually started their own bands and did this stuff when they were young, because it's a good time, I think, to learn things when you don't know you're learning them. I think right? you do, you
1: just learn by experience. It's the yeah. best way you can do it. Playing in bands, playing in bars, playing it. I mean, it sounds funny, but that's really one of the best educations you can have. Yeah, you taught me how to keep an audience engaged, mm-hmm. I realized like, well, how, okay, I'm starting to lose. I played a lot of piano bars alone too. Yeah. So I was alone. Uh, um, when I moved to New York, back to New York, I had no bands. So it was just me at the piano. But I, I would see what would, bo- what all of a sudden they'd start talking through yeah. and what would bring them back. And it taught me how to do a set list. It taught me how to speak more and to hone my, you know, like the jokes or whatever, make right. it short and sweet and into the song. And it, it's like a masterclass. And um, whenever I work with new talent, even when I used to work with... Um, Lady Annabella and before that, when I was working just with Hillary, she was still in high school or yeah. just gotten out. Um, she, we would take go down to the uh, the bars. <laughs> Sounds funny. We'd go down to the bars that she was able to get in. If they serve food, she can get in. Yeah. and I would, you know, kind of give the the band five dollars and say, Hey, can my friend? sing, and I would videotape her, kind of like a play, like a sports play. We would watch it later on and say, okay, that worked, that didn't work. Smart. Yeah, because you have uh, to yeah. have this live experience. I think a lot of kids now come into town, and they, they didn't get that experience. And oh, yeah. I think yeah. that they miss out on a lot.
0: Well, it is an interesting time with entering artists in this new generation and everything that they have experienced in different ways than how maybe people that are in the game right now have, which I we, I do want to talk about that in a little bit. Yeah, but I
1: I think if I would have come up now, I probably would have been obsessed with YouTube. You know Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't know. I mean I hoped I still would have been playing live, but yeah. I guess I would have also felt the feedback from convert. you know, if I was getting I would have been obsessed probably with trying to get a bi- bigger audience. Yeah. And I would see, oh, this day when I talked about this or when I sang this, the numbers went up. You know i would probably learn from that too you know? mm-hmm. well victoria i think it's it's very obvious even when you meet you at, in
0: the very first place you know you are from new york you've already mentioned that you were playing in <laughs> well, the bars of new york
1: I, I was i was born in new york but raised in los angeles is that right yeah so i'm kind of a i have three ports it's nashville new york and california i didn't know that you spent so much time in los well, angeles I mean, all my formative years which is funny because it's really only 14 years from when you're six right. to 18 but those are you know, those are your true oh, formative years. Oh, absolutely. Well, that's what I was wondering, is just, like,
0: how you actually fell into country music. Because New York and Los Angeles are two places that people don't really associate with totally. country music. Yeah. And, I mean, I grew up a lot of my life in Los Angeles as well, between Los Angeles and San Diego. And I was, I'm very open about the fact that I was a late bloomer to country music, only because I wasn't exposed to it. Not for lack of taste. Like, right. I, I love country music, right. but I just wasn't exposed to it I then. It. So, how were you, how'd you fall into the world of country music? I
1: really got serious about when I moved back to New York at 18, I just moved there because I wanted an adventure and I had always liked uh, visiting New York. So I was working um, at a recording studio during the day and working at piano bars at night and started listening to the radio. And back then it was kind of uh, a little bit of when country was crossover, you know, yeah. all the urban cowboy and stuff. But one of the stations went full country and I just fell in love with it. And I started to write songs that were country. What's interesting though, is once I started to... To learn more about country and hear hear music, I thought, oh, well, I know that song. I, I, I kind of know that song, and part of it's because I did watch the Barbara Mandrell show when I was mm-hmm. growing up. I did watch Hee Haw. I just didn't tell anybody. <laughs> um, so I was really versed in seventies country. I wasn't yeah. versed further down. Well,
0: okay. So then you actually started in country music. How how would you consider like your professional country music career to start?
1: Well, I was living in New York. I was living mm. with my aunt in Long Island, and I was playing at a piano bar in the city. So I was coming home one night on the Long Island Railroad, which is called the L I R R. And this song, I'd always always written songs back in California too with my sister when I had a band. But I, the song, the song lyrics came into my head. You know, I'm in a smoke filled car on the L I R R. Home seems so far away. Um, and so when I got back to my aunt's house, it was late at night. She didn't have a piano, but she had this little. Rinky, I had this little Casio that you can only play one note at a time. Yes. So that was really the only kind of beat I could give it at the time. And I wrote this song that night and uh, it came out country. And so my, I went out to visit my parents in California. My dad was always kind of open to anything. And he said, we should cut that song. And he found musicians and we recorded it and Mm -hmm. pressed a 45. And when I went back to New York, Uh, somebody said you should take it to the uh, radio station here. Now I didn't know that New York had the premier biggest radio station in the country. I didn't know, Mm -hmm. but I brought it to the, to the program director and I said, I heard you were a nice man, which is why he probably didn't kick me out. (laughs) And uh, he said, I said, would you listen to my song? And he said, yeah, I'll listen to it, but we're not going to play it. Right. And I I understand. So we listened to it. And then he said, you know, leave this with me. And you know, I said, okay. So I left it. I never thought about it. About two, three days later, he called me up and he said, Victoria, we just tr- uh, played your song on the air. Stop. And that's what I said. Are you <laughs> kidding me? I didn't hear it. And he goes, well, we're going to do it again. It became a local, which is funny because we're talking about New York City, It mm-hmm. became a local hit in New York, Gosh. but it, because it had the, all these New York references. Right. It says New York and the chorus and everything. So that was my first kind of, wow, country music. I think I'm loving this. Yeah. And um, and then I came down to Nashville because kind of people are kind of wondering, the heck is Victoria Shaw and why is she taking up airspace? What is it that sparked
0: it? Was it a certain moment that it's like, okay, I need to go
1: to Nashville? Um, That was kind of a natural progression, actually, because people were kind of wondering who I was. I went down here, tried to take some meetings and nobody, you know, I look back now and I think, oh my God, I was so green and so naive, but that's okay because I had... I was fearless, you know? Exactly. Sometimes being naive
0: can be a really good card. Like, yeah, exactly. It just
1: never occurred to me I wasn't going to find success. I didn't know when it was going to happen, but it never occurred to me that if I didn't work hard, that Mm -hmm. it wouldn't happen. I felt like I was talented. And um, so when nobody gave me a record deal, I I was down here and a a friend that I had made said, you should go to this place called the Bluebird Cafe. They have a songwriting in the round, which I'd never heard of. It was brand new. And I went there and I had... I think it was a religious epiphany. I mean, I'd never seen anything like it. It was four hit songwriters that literally changed my life yeah. because I saw this incredible craft of, of songwriting. And I thought, I'm going to buckle down and be the best songwriter I know how to be. And I'm going to try to write hit songs for other people. And then hopefully I'll get noticed and I'll get my record deal that way. Ah, so yes. it all of a sudden gave me a plan. It was kind of bold because mm-hmm. I'd never really tried that. But, and I will say eight years later, it took me a long time, I I finally wrote number one songs and got a record deal on Warner Brothers and, you know, a lot of good things happened.
0: Well, who would have thought you go to the Bluebird Cafe with your first Change writers round and literally, like, that's led you still to this day because of your new TV show, which we are definitely going to talk right. about. But, I mean, that that is wild to think that that, that was, like, the first that's time changing. that you saw it. It's yeah. Funny. You
1: know, sometimes you make a left instead of a right and you might meet the man of your dreams or you might find the job of your dreams. It's funny how life just can bring you places yeah so was
0: it hard as an artist as well songwriter artist to just like for years be strictly songwriter because you decided that was the path that you were gonna do
1: it's funny i actually no i really i just wanted to get recorded so badly i really wanted to write hit songs that once i shifted my brain i was still playing in bars and driving back and forth between new york and nashville for years doing that but driving um, driving oh before cell phones ouch um but it gave you great time to listen and think yeah. and all that stuff. But no, I just was like, okay, this is what I have to focus on. Because if I split my attention and still try to you know, do something else, it's not going to work. So I'm going to be hit songwriter first and then I'm going to get noticed. So I really just buckled down and try to write hit songs for whoever I could. I think that's advice that
0: holds really strong today because there are so many artists, and I see this all the time right now, that are so all over the place. And it is a confusing time because music is being, you know, consumed in so many different ways that I can see how it's confusing to people to be able to go all these different ways. Do I go YouTube? Do I go stream? Do I do, you know, like, you know what you do
1: when you just do something? Yeah. I think when people constantly, you know, I get people come up to me a lot. especially after I play or, you know, I'm just trying to, and I don't know how to, and it's, I'm not putting those people down. Mm-hmm. I just find that the people who ask me the most questions are the people that do the least, because yeah. so I understand wanting to ask a few questions, but most of it, you know, then you're off and running. You just need somebody to kind of guide you and go, well, try that door. Okay. I'm, I'm doing it. But if you have all this list of questions, you're not really going mm-hmm. for it. You, you just want excuses or you want somebody to walk you in with you know holding yeah
0: do you think that's why so many people find management so crucial
1: hmm i never thought about that i mm, i I don't know because management came really late in my thing i had to make everything happen before i even could get management interested how how did life change when you got a manager uh not well honestly really it didn't do much for me i i I unfortunately wasn't a good combo and uh after i we parted ways Mm -hmm. um he you know it did just didn't enhance my where I wanted to go, and um, so that was kind of a. Unfortunately, sometimes you don't get the best experience. Right. Well, and that's the
0: interesting thing. Like, not there's not a set way for everybody to do things. No, there's like not
1: any set way. Yeah, absolutely. But I will say, when you do get a manager or whoever, an agent or a, a publisher, you be a partner. Don't yeah. just expect to sit back and let them do it. Most of the songs I had recorded, it's because I hustled mm-hmm. and and really worked to be there or help them pitch it or whatever. I mean. You need to be partners. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and
0: you know that more than ever right now with your artist, Cooper Allen, who I just met a few weeks ago. He was so lovely. I'm so excited for I'm you so guys. I'm so excited about him. Well, oh, how has that experience been kind of diving into that world? You know, that's
1: something I love to do, which is always to encourage and to help develop young talent. I yeah. did that with Lady Annabellum, which was a pleasure. And obviously my gut instinct about talent is right. Mm-hmm. So got to co-produce their first album and win a CMA award for I Run to You and all that yeah. stuff. So... That's been wonderful. And I I have, I feel like, uh, you know, I have my pulse on lots of great up and coming stars, Mm -hmm. not just in country funding, you know, but in in pop too. Um, I work with a wonderful, uh, this duo, Carly and Martina. They're great. But um, Cooper Allen, A-L-A-N. Yes. (laughs) And you can check out his uh, Instagram, Cooper Allen Music. He is just, (sighs) I just think he's the next Huge thing. Mm-hmm. We just put out his single six weeks ago on our own, Little Grassroots Way. It's al- almost to 500,000 streams. <sighs> Dang. Um, we're going about to have a video played on CMT. He Everywhere he goes, he just makes people love him. Yeah. Know? He's really nice. He's adorable, as mm-hmm. you know. But he sounds Oh, he just sounds great.
0: He is fantastic, <laughs> yeah. and and I, I
1: I loved meeting him. By the way, the other week, she's not wrong. You will fall in love no, with him he, as soon as will, you meet him. Because he's, he's, yeah, he's so talented, and his voice is dreamy. But he's also a good, good guy well
0: you brought up how you were a part of you know developing lady antebellum of course you co-produced that album victoria when did you start getting into producing because that is something in this town and i i think in all genres that's kind of rare like female producers it is too bad and and i love talking about these kind of these roles where women aren't generally you know thought of to be in because i like to promote like start getting into that lane. If you are a young, cause we have a lot of young aspiring people who are trying to get into this industry in different ways. Absolutely. And if
1: you're, especially if you're a female, Yes, I mean, or if you want to encourage your daughter who wants to be in, you know, music business, have them be, you know, or to also experience being a drummer, so yes. being a bass player, being an audio engineer, mm-hmm. you know, really get into a track building, uh, this would really advance them quicker. I mean, we need more women doing all of that. Absolutely. I mean, all of that.
0: Because it's not just about what we hear on the radio. It's no, everything that happens behind the scenes. So much behind the yeah. scenes. Yeah. So how was it diving into the world of producing?
1: You know, I've been producing my demos forever. So, yeah. I mean, I there, there really wasn't as big of a difference as I thought it was going to be, except for the budget's better and the lunches are better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, as a singer... It's good incentive. It's true. <laughs> as a singer also, I think I have a little bit... Um, extra advantage when I'm um, tweaking vocals, you know, and trying to draw vocals out of an artist because I... You hear it differently. I hear it differently. And if they can't do this, I can show them tricks. You know, I can not just say it, but show them. So uh, it was a pretty easy transition. It's something that I focused on when I met Hillary. I knew Mm -hmm. I wanted to get into production. So it was great that, again, I got to hit that goal and that CMA award. I'm not sure, but somebody told me that I am the only non-artist female to ever win a CMA award for producing. That's what I was told.
0: Oh um, my god! Well, I would believe it yeah, because well, it yeah, sounds good. So I'm gonna say, I that know, <laughs> <cool>. <laughs> Take it a run with yeah. a girl, no matter what. But I mean, that sounds right to me, to be honest, because I've
1: I've been watching those yeah. awards forever, and, we need and to yeah, have, you know, women just going up there winning. And I'd like to think that things will be transitioning. I I think. Um, Hillary Scott's uh, younger sister is actually uh, going to school for a- engineering, you know, which oh, I see, love. Oh,
0: yes. Yeah. And she's a Grammy Award winner. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah, because they won smart. for their. You know, yes.
1: Because even if you're going to end up being an artist, to mm. be able to produce your own stuff or. Uh, do uh, engineer it or build your tracks. It's you're going to be ahead of the game.
0: That is a big thing. Actually being able to do everything. It doesn't mean that you have to right. do everything, but, you can but talk the, the language, yes. understand
1: and, and understand what you're, you know, you're asking.
0: Yeah. People. Well, I know we're kind of going out of order here, but I do want to go back and talk a little Garth Brooks because I know everybody Who? listening. Who's that guy? Who? I know uh, everybody listening. Definitely uh, is familiar with your work with Garth. And I would love to just kind of talk about like how that all came about for those that don't know. Well, Garth and I met
1: during that time when I was trying to be a writer. Yeah. So before um, he was. Oh, yeah. Before yeah. he was. God. Yeah. <laughs> he was just a guy with a funny name. I'd never heard that name before. I hadn't either. <laughs> I just thought that was an interesting name. But we met and he was, you know, just about to get um, his record deal. Um, and he used to come over to my little house in East Nashville and write. And that song... Girl, you were living in East Nashville back then? Back when it was not trendy. (laughs) Yeah. It was like, run to the front door, get in there and close the door. (laughs) Yes. It was not trendy at all. But it was, you know, rent was cheap. Exactly. (laughs) And um, so he would come over and we would write. And one of the first few songs we ever wrote together was The River. Yeah. But when you listen to the words, it really totally... just demonstrates where we were at the t- where we still are but we were really wide-eyed dreamers who really wanted to make it in this business and had big dreams he saw it all i mean he saw that whole you know playing arenas and things that he's a visionary that's for he sure was mm-hmm. and i honestly when after we wrote the uh the river and he said can't you just imagine a stadium full of people waving their lighters and singing along i thought oh my god he's so delusional that never happens in country at least he didn't say
0: waving their uh, smartphones right. with their lights <laughs> on when, that's back when they would risk burning their thumbs <laughs> right yeah
1: but two years later i opened for him in central park yeah and you know after my uh, opening act i sat back and uh, a million people waving their lighters and singing the river that was only two years later is that what you said well, by the time he cut it, okay. we wrote it uh, quite a few years into uh, back. Yeah. But, uh, it, and it's funny, too, because he had his first album out. And yeah. then he told me The River was going to make the second album. And I was so excited. Mm. And then he called and said, you know what, Vic, I'm so sorry. It's not going to make this album. It doesn't work. It doesn't work on it. And I just thought, well, there's my chance of being on a Garth Brooks album. And yeah. then the third album, Rope in the Wind, he cut it. Oh, man. Yeah. And so how did you celebrate when you found out it was going to be on there? You know, it's funny that you said that. I actually went to Bergdorf Goodman in New York. Yes, honey. I bought myself a super-duper expensive purse. Well, not super-duper, now that I hear how people spend thousands. right? Well, it wasn't thousands, but it was like... $400. I was so excited. <laughs> and I also got a, a very, very cool pair of sunglasses that were way you know out of my price range too, but it was like my present to myself. Oh. And I've never done that since. Cause I mean, we've, uh, she's every woman when number one yeah. that I wrote with Garth, I never, I never, uh, bought my, I need to buy myself more presents for that. Well, so. now
0: you need a delayed present. That's absolutely <laughs> true. Yes. So now since then, how, how have you been seeing, I mean, we kind of talked about like how how it's changing, how people are consuming music. But how has it been for you to kind of change along with the industry? Because you've been a part
1: of a lot of this. I have, and I've seen it, you know, transition. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I could sit here and tell you that the 90s were magical. Nobody mm. was stealing music. There was no way to stream it. Money was coming through all the time. Everybody's getting paid for what they should those were pretty magical times. And so albums, you really do see it that way because well, I do, sometimes I, I wonder like if we're
0: looking back at rose colored glasses, oh, no. but you think, yeah, it was an
1: amazing time where you could actually where It wasn't unusual for many people to sell 5 million, 6 million al- albums. And I know friends who never had a single out, but they would make a great living just because of album cuts. But nowadays nobody listens to albums all the way through. And you know what? I can sit here and bitch and moan, or you just have to figure it out. Now, early on in the 2000s when Napster came and they were stealing the music I actually testified in Congress in in Washington because that's not okay but now that everybody's worked out you know and there's money to be made it's just you're not going to make as much money because people aren't buying albums right they're streaming and people are playing live it is what it is Mm -hmm. you either evolve or you sit around like an old cranky person and you you know moan about it right you know you just got to do what you got to do and I got a TV show that made it a little bit Exactly. And it's be
0: diverse. Well, you're right. Like I mean, you do. You just have to find different ways to grow with it. Yeah.
1: yeah. That's one of the reasons I got into uh, producing, too. Yeah. You know, it's just like, well, now I'm a publisher, I'm a producer, I'm a songwriter, you know, I've got a TV show. Just, you know, you get your hands in a lot of things that you do well, hopefully, yeah. and it all works out. I I have never been driven by obsessive amounts of money. I'd like it, but I it's not what drives me. That's a, that's how I feel as well. Yeah. So what is the avenue that you're most passionate about? Well, um my kids yeah (laughs) so that's not you know a non-music thing but if you uh, most passionate right now i would say my two biggest focuses Mm -hmm. um are uh producing cooper allen and launching him into the stratosphere because i just believe in him and he's such a good guy i want to do it um and then the tv show Mm -hmm. like those are my two main focuses um it's called songwriters under the covers with victoria shaw uh, those are my two main ones, but any given day of the week, you'll find me writing with other people who you know who have asked me to write with them or new artists, and I I just try to keep current, mm-hmm. and um, it, it's hard to because your days fill up, but I try not to say no to to things that I'm interested in.
0: You said something just now that um, I think is super important and I would love to kind of talk about this for a second because you said, you know, Cooper, you know he's a star, you want to help him, but you want to help him too because he's just a good person. Yeah, like how true. important do you think that is? Talent versus being a good person. Of course, talent should always be in the forefront, but there's also that oh, element yes. of just wanting to root for people that you actually like, right? I'm not
1: going to say any names and that's unusual for me because I'm usually name dropper, <laughs> but... I've seen through my years plenty of very like one hit or one album hits wonders who were incredibly talented, but just a pain in the behind to work with. They weren't appreciative. They weren't friendly. They weren't gracious. They were just, they were pains. And when they have a hit, you know, everybody's going to tolerate it. Mm -hmm. But when that second or third single came out and did nothing, they were dropped pretty quick and nobody's, nobody roots for them. Nobody champions them. Because why do you want to if they're not even appreciative of what you do? There's a whole team behind every artist that helps make it happen. Uh And if you're just a diva or a divo or however they work it, um, you're going to really find that you you can go fast, but you can fall just as fast.
0: Exactly. It's important. And when you see
1: that the people who are lovely... Even if they falter a little bit, maybe don't put out the best song. Everybody gives them a second chance or a third chance because they like him and they're rooting for. And him you want or her. them
0: around, like exactly. you want lights, you want present, like you know, positive. Yes, yeah. exactly. So keep note of that, everybody.
1: It's, just well, you know what? Always. It's just that old adage, you know, be uh, treat every treat the the janitor like the president yeah. and the president like the janitor, and you'll never have to worry about anything. Exactly. You know? All right, Victoria, let's get into
0: let's it. Songwriters it. under the covers. Sounds this dirty, I, it? it does. I was going to ask you
1: about that title because. <laughs> I go like, Ooh, yeah, it makes people go, what is that? Which is good. I, you know, as, as you know, when in the music business, you call a cover tune, you know, p- you know, bands might be a cover band. Yeah. These are covering hits. So in this way, it's a little bit tongue in cheek because I have the hit songwriters who are actually doing covers of their own songs. Right. And you may never have heard, um, my friend Desmond Child, uh, sing living on a prayer that he wrote with John Bon Jovi and mm-hmm. Richie Sambora, but it's gonna it's gonna blow your mind to hear the writer's interpretation as well. Yeah, the writer. Um, so it's just uh, songwriters under the covers. I've been calling it for years. I've been doing this show all around for for years. Right. And it's particularly at a place called Birdland in New York for the last fifteen years. And through the years, um, people have approached me who have happened to work in television and say, "Oh my gosh, you're an amazing host." You know, you should have a TV show. We should talk. We should talk. And I would take meetings and meetings and nothing ever. Oh, yeah. I know that story. Uh And and part of it's because the songwriters uh, rounds or the songwriter shows were very hard to understand. It's one Mm -hmm. of those things you just have to be at. Right. Like people
0: in Nashville get it now, but like not everywhere else. Yeah.
1: And so if you don't, it's really hard to sell the concept. Yeah. I just kind of gave up on that because that never came through. It never came through so lo and behold uh, last year i also have an apartment in new york as well as living here in nashville i was in my apartment in new york walking in the lobby and i overheard a man talking about some clubs in new york that i knew and i could tell he was in the business and we struck struck up a conversation mm-hmm. his name was brad fuss and it turns out he he, he we worked together or he produced a billy a dean show years ago that i had been on and, oh yeah and it was just a really weird small world and i I said, oh, I'm playing at Birdland. I'm doing a songwriter show tonight. You should come. And he came. And I think it was Lee Bryce was my, and Morgan Evans was my uh, guest. Morgan hadn't had his yeah. album out yet. Aww. But it was a fun show and he loved it. And then that summer I played again in New York with my friends Gary Burr and Georgia Middle- Middleman, great hit songwriters. And he just loved it. And last fall he took me to breakfast when I was in New York and he said, I think you are a great host and that this should be a TV show. And I said to him, oh, that's really nice, but you'll never sell it. Don't worry about it. Thank mm-hmm. you so much. And he looked at me. He goes, what? I go, I'm telling you, you can't sell this concept. That's so nice of you. Uh, what should we order? That's cute. <laughs> that's, cute. that's really sweet. Yes. And he looked at me like just astonished. And he goes, but you've never had me pitch the show. Hey. And I said, <laughs> okay, well, pitch the show, but please don't feel bad when you come back and tell me that you couldn't sell it. Mm-hmm. And 45 days later, he got what they say, a green light from PBS, yeah. All Arts, um for a series not even a pilot they gave me a series wow i know that's a huge it's deal huge
0: now how would you celebrate that one <laughs> well
1: first of all this is funny because um he called me when i was in nashville to tell me that we got the green light yes yeah. all arts uh this new all arts tv platform i kept mm. hearing about this all arts tv platform with pbs all arts. so afterwards when he goes we got the show i went oh my god that's amazing that's amazing what exactly did we get? Right. And what's a platform? Yeah. You know. And what do I? Listen. I said to her, "What do I tell my mom? Because I'm going to have to explain this to my mom, and I'm not sure what we just got." Right. So he explained that a platform is like any app that you might uh, download on your smartphone, mm-hmm. or uh, all the apps you see on Roku and uh, Apple TV, or you can stream it online. Right. That you can see this show there, as well as if you're in New York or Nashville right now, it's on PBS. Right. And going to roll out in other places. So. I was like, okay, that I get. <laughs> so it, it was amazing. I mean, and if people are listening, uh, just all you, and you really want the easiest way to see the mm-hmm. show is just download an app called All Arts TV. Oh, perfect! That's it. And then yeah. I'm on the front page.
0: Which honestly, like, that's how a lot of us are watching TV that's, nowadays. Like true. we we do watch a lot on our phone. Watch all the YouTube series. Yep. We watch like
1: everything oh, yeah. on our oh, phones. Yeah. So yeah. All Arts TV app. All Arts TV. It's really easy. And have you already shot the whole first we season? The, well, we shot. Everything last winter, funny enough. We shot, oh. we actually got a green light for six episodes and we mm-hmm. shot them all last winter. They wanted to hold off until um, they wanted to roll me out right after the Ken Burns documentary because of my connection with Nashville. Mm-hmm. They thought it would be cool to wait. Oh, for the yeah, because that's on PBS as well. Yeah, yes. so that's why we waited all the way to fall. That's but smart. In the mm-hmm. interim, during the summer, that song land comes on TV, right? right? And I'm thinking, oh, please let this be a hit because if it's a hit. People will be even more open to another songwriter show, mm-hmm. and, and also it's completely different because those are brand new songs that people haven't right. heard. So it's it's apples and oranges. But I was so happy that they had a hit, and then it was just a real welcome feeling to have our show come out and people get it and love it, and um, they're hearing iconic songs that take them back to you know to yeah. special moments. Um, my friend Kevin Cronin from ARIO Speedwagon. He's singing Keep On Loving You and I Can't Fight This Feeling. And we have Sarah Evans and uh, my friend um, Alicia, uh, Erica Ender who wrote uh, Despacito. Oh, yes. Yeah. And, oh, my gosh. Um, Angela Hunt, my friend Angela who wrote um, Empire State of Mind for Alicia Keys. I mean, these are, I, I've always had very diverse shows, and that's what yeah. I love. To me, when I book the show, you know, I, book, I ask my guests to be on it, I, I kind of think of it like, um, Like, I'm having a dinner party. Like, who would get along with who? And a lot of times, they don't know each other. Mm -hmm. And when I booked Sarah Evans with Kevin Cronin from Mario Speedwagon I thought oh that might be really cool and then it turns out that they did um, a, a Crossroads CMT special together oh. and they both were <laughs> like I love him I love him that oh was that's really hilarious yeah. well that is cool because then you can your audience
0: can be diverse just as diverse as exactly. the people on the stage yeah exactly. and I mean that's the thing too like even just like country music people I mean I came like I told you earlier from a world more of pop but then I fell in love with country music it introduces different music and totally. genres to and other you know, people it's funny
1: people don't even you know people who fit say they don't like country music have no idea what country music is because, yeah you know first of all there's there's so many songs right now that cross around and it's just great songwriting mm-hmm. brett james is one of my one yeah. of my guests he sings jesus take the wheel mm-hmm. and then he sings miss independent that he wrote for kelly, kelly Clarkson. i mean it's it, it just go, runs the gamut yeah so it's a really and and what's i love about it just like the shows i've been doing forever it's really fun it's really organic it's mm-hmm. really intimate there's no rehearsal No. Oh, that's nice. That's even better. I mean, I don't have a cue card. I just say whatever I want on the top of my that's one thing Brad uh, Fuss, my director, when he in the first show, I said anything you want to tell me, he goes, just go do your thing, which was scary, but really great. Mm -hmm. He didn't want me to get in my head. So he says, you've been doing it for 15 years. So I just, I make up the intros. We just go. And yeah. I think people like to see it organic and raw. Right, because then you feel like you're actually at the show. You feel like, like it's... you're actually in my living room. Right, exactly. Well, I think it's kind of funny
0: that you um, you brought up Songland, and this is blowing my mind a little bit right now because I was talking with one of my best friends, who's not a huge country music fan. So, like, whenever I tell her about who's coming in, you know, is I always have who? to, <laughs> yeah, I have to put it into context. <laughs> yeah. And I was telling her how excited I was that you were coming in, and uh-huh. she loves Garth Brooks and she knew The River. So, like, you know, she was like, "Oh, that's great!" And I was, she was like, "So, is she doing like something really like new or something?" And I was like, "Yeah, she's got this show, Songwriters on the Covers," and she's like, "Oh, what's that?" I'm like, "Well, it's like a writers round." And she's like. Oh, and then I was like, kind of like Songland, yes. but without. And she was like, Oh my god, I love Songland. And then she was like, totally in, and now it's wants great. to watch it. I'm so happy that that show came out first. I mean, some people were like, you worried. I'm like, worried. No, worried it does. That, you know, I just
1: want it to be a success.
0: But it blows my mind because I didn't even think of that's that's exactly why I use absolutely. that comparison because now people understand it. Yeah, they can kind of understand like it's that. Great. There's this whole world behind the
1: artist, and, and I think people really find that fascinating. I've always found it fascinating. Oh, absolutely. And with me, uh, with. With my show and and Songland too, I think they do it. But um, my show, um, I'll call it again. Under the songwriters under the covers. Hey, <laughs> I think what for me is when I ask my friends to be on it, mm-hmm. they have to be more than just a hit songwriter. They have to be entertaining. Yes, because I don't care how many hits you've written if you can't speak to an audience and make them, you know, smile or make them think or be entertaining. I'm not interested because not only will they be bored, I'll be bored exactly up there. And then you have to carry so much more. Yeah, I, oh. I only, I really, if you watch it, not only will you go, oh my God, I didn't know he wrote that song, she wrote that song. You'll laugh. It's yeah. really
0: fun. Yeah. Do you have any guests that you haven't had on yet that
1: you're really hoping to make happen? Oh, so many. I yeah. Mean, I, oh, are you sorry? I want to just go back and say, I had filmed six episodes last Oh fall, yeah. Mm-hmm. Last Christmas, last Chris, uh, winter, but- couple of months ago um all arts asked me to do one more episode so i actually filmed one about three weeks ago oh in new york again my guests were lee bryce who oh I adore, yes and patty smythe from scandal patty smythe the rocker chick who i adore dang yeah and then my friend constantine maroulis from american idol and also he's a broadway tony nominated actor so it was really fun. And then my friend Bette Midler came and sat in the audience. Oh, stop. You stop. Oh my it gosh. It was really cool. Wait, that's awesome. I know Patty and Bette are really close friends. Yeah. And then I've written with Beth, And so she came and she had the best time. And afterwards came up to me and she's like, oh, I'm watching that Kim Burns special. Oh my God, it's blowing my mind. I love it so much. Oh. We had the, it, it, she, it, I'm telling you, people just have a fun time at those shows and yeah. it just puts them in good moods. So. We've got
0: to check it out on PBS or All Arts TV. All Arts so TV PBS app. right now. Only if you're in Nashville or New York. A New York.
1: Okay, yeah. but probably more soon, oh, I'm sure. Absolutely, yeah. uh-huh. but right now you can stream all the episodes on all arts tv on the app just download it it's free
0: well broadway speaking of broadway stars and people that have been involved with broadway i've got to tell you i was going in on a deep dive on your instagram and now i'm completely obsessed with your daughter and seeing (laughs) like all of her clips from chicago her last high school play and everything so
1: she's going down that path right both my daughters you'll have to keep going deep diving because i have my daughter ruby too that you'll see oh yeah and they both they both put me to shame when it comes to talent and they're both pursuing musical theater yeah. and acting. And they, um, my Ava, the one you're talking about, she's 18. She's five eleven, She doesn't look 18. She's gorgeous, no, but you. both your daughters thank are you. gorgeous. Um, she just moved to New York about, uh, seven weeks ago mm-hmm. and she's pursuing, uh, she's going to a very, um, small, but, uh, respected drama school. And my daughter, my other daughter, uh, it's actually getting some really close callbacks on Broadway shows. <laughs> yeah. So, They're both going to make it. And thank God they're so different. Yeah. Um, So they won't be up for the same roles, Mm -hmm. which is good for sisters. Uh, But yeah, so they're up there in New York and I get to see them a lot. So even though I'm an empty nester, uh, I I really see them a lot. I'm very lucky. Well, I know Mama's really proud,
0: but are you, were you ever at all like nervous when they started going down the entertainment path or were Uh, you excited?
1: Yeah. Never even occurred to me, honestly. And if they wanted to be forest Rangers, I really wouldn't care about that either. You know, whatever makes them happy. Um, my parents were totally cool with that too, and you know what? The one thing I don't do though is make things happen for them. And yeah. I, they are making this stuff happen for themselves. I'm very much about that. No matter what the kid wants mm-hmm. to do, you want to do it. Go get, get a passion and go for it. You know? Yeah. And of course, she gets to see things and come to the studio. And she's, you know, she's probably. Um, I think I teach more through osmosis mm-hmm. because I don't think it's a good dynamic to sit down and go do it. And I also really think it's a bad idea to constantly call in favors and make all the phone calls for your kids. Do you see that happen a lot? A lot. And yeah. it, it, it's it really, Um, I have a big problem with that so, to the point where I probably go overboard the other way with my kids and I'm feel guilty. sometimes. <laughs> You're like, don't talk to any of my friends. No, <laughs> They can talk, but they've got to do it. You yeah. want to call? call? You can call, but don't ask me to make that call. Yeah. You, your fingers aren't broken. You want something bad enough, make it happen. Mm-hmm. And um, I do feel like I sometimes, I was so turned off by parents that do that yeah. thing that I think I sometimes go to an extreme and I'm, Probably gonna have to talk to my therapist about that. <laughs> they will talk to a therapist about that someday. Yeah, exactly. My mother didn't help me. I helped them by trying to stay out of the way. Right, and I think that is more helpful yeah. than anything. That doesn't mean I don't, you know, take them certain places and they haven't met people through. But it's like you want to follow up on something, you want to really do something. I will not make that call. Do
0: you think you got that from your parents?
1: Yes, my parents um, were real um, inventors and just like made things happen out of nothing. Yeah. Um, And we're always trying different. I I never knew what my dad was doing growing up. He had so many different things he was trying and try. My dad was like a, I don't know. He he just was trying to find his place. And um, long story short with that, when I was in my teens, my mom decided she didn't want to diet anymore. She was a large woman. And she's like, I'm just tired of dieting. I'm going to go out and buy some nice clothes in my size. So she went out. And she couldn't find anything. She said the only thing she found was like bulletproof polyester, uh, <laughs> ugly clothes. She <laughs> yeah. goes, I got fat, I didn't get blind. <laughs> and so my dad was always inventing things. And mm-hmm. so he said, well, okay, one day it was one of his inventing modes. He's like, what's needed? And my mom said, you know what's needed is a large size fashion magazine. She goes, there's never been one and people like me wanna see large, you know, see fashion on large size women that look like us. And my dad said, okay, let's figure it out. And they didn't know anything about the magazine business and they just figured it out um you know found out where you get paper and how you write articles and i mean for the first is- issue i mean they made up names on the masthead i think my dog's name was on the masthead <laughs> but but it turned into a, a magazine called big beautiful woman bbw and they they had tremendous success and i so i, I wow. actually saw yeah somebody taking nothing and making something cuz you were passionate you know so a lead by example kind of exactly. way and my that's what you've fearless, done yeah Fearless, and um, I think I'm I'm pretty fearless, you know. I would agree. I would definitely <laughs> well, agree. My mother always says, "What's the worst that's gonna happen?" Her her thing is, "Is anybody gonna die?" Well, no. But then, what's the worst that can happen? Exactly. If nobody's gonna die, go for
0: it. <laughs> I've been having one of those conversations with a friend of mine that's like trying to figure out where she's gonna go, and um, you know, the whole thing is always. Just go, like make the leap, totally. just do just, it, just do because it. otherwise you'll just be in the exact same place you are right now. I and always say that, just yeah. look
1: forward, I promise you, you might not get in the door you thought you were going to get in, but that door over there is going to open, and you're, me, me, I thought I was going to be a, a big recording artist. Mm-hmm. The songwriting came like secondary, and I just, I'm so grateful, I'm so, I love it. I don't have to be on the road, I didn't have to miss out on my kids anything, I got to write, you just... Like Nike says, just do
0: it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That is a big point that I've started to realize as I've grown up because, you know, we really do put so much on like being famous and, you know, playing the stadiums and doing which it's great. And it's great for some people. But, you know, human beings, a lot of times aren't really made for that kind of life. I mean, it's a hard life, but man, you can still go down so many different avenues it's in music
1: awesome. and not be have to like miss out on it's life. It's awesome. I yeah. can write, there's no b- b- uh, borders on a songwriter. So I have had p- hits in pop music and yeah. like, Latin music and- and, and the, nobody's the like season. saying to you what are you trying to do yeah. be a pop star yeah, like we yeah we can't figure you out what are you yes exactly I'm a songwriter so it's a lot of freedom and um I, I i truly love it i have to tell you when i was first working with um hillary scott when she was you know a solo artist and we would go take these meetings or we would she would kind of get discouraged i used to quote that movie um uh dory uh, at finding nemo finding nemo yeah 'Cause I would just look and go, come on, just keep swimming, swimming, oh, swimming, just keep swimming. And that's yes. kind of my advice to everybody. Just yeah. keep swimming. Don't
0: stop. Think about all those stories that you hear about how many doors have been slammed in faces and
1: everything. Oh like God. if I if I had just taken the rejection like I Yeah, I, I was either too dumb or too confident. I don't know. But <laughs> it never occurred to me I wouldn't get my turn at bat. And it took me longer than most of my peers where a lot of people Probably would have given up, you know. Yeah. And a lot of times, at the Bluebird or something, they'll come up and go, you know, I'm really, I mean, I've been here for three years, I think I'm going to give myself one more year. I'm either going to do this or I'm going to go back to school. I hear that a lot, and like that. Yeah. If you have a or, like an either or, do the or because people mm-hmm. like myself and my peers, it was I want to do this or I, I really just want to. I, I just don't want to live. Like, it was I have just to do plan this. A or plan A. Or yeah. <laughs> yeah, And I think you have to have that because yeah. if you have that thing in the back of your mind that I'm going to go back to school, which is great, mm-hmm. but that means you might not have the the stamina to to do this. Well,
0: and I'm sure there are people listening right now that are very much in the space that they're experiencing the bad times. And it's hard when you're down in that space to Trust to me. actually like envision the good times, but coming from somebody who has had as much success as you have, can you kind of talk to those people and tell them how, you know, I, I feel like for me, I mean, cause I've been through some crap and I'm so thankful though, for those moments, because I would never be who I am today. Had I not had those experiences. And I, I,
1: I have been through some crap myself in the last few years and I'm mm-hmm. trying to actually get to where you're just saying that. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure I would have passed up on that, but but I agree, and everything makes you strong. What doesn't kill you makes makes you stronger. Um, I would say some people are very stubborn. Yeah, I find the people that just sit and complain are the most stubborn. That they don't want to listen, they don't hear. And even with songwriting, if, if I you know do lectures or a songwriting uh, course or something, whatever, mm-hmm. somebody will have something, or they'll have me critique a song, and they just can't hear it. It doesn't matter what I say to them, and it doesn't matter that I have been on almost a hundred million albums. And that's not even like, I'm not trying to be like cocky. It's like, why would you not take my advice at least once? Try it my way. Um, Because I have experience. And I I always say it like this too. Let's say you write a song. Well, let's say you bought a dress Mm -hmm. and you buy this dress and you say, oh, Victoria, don't you love this on me? And I say, you know what? It's good. I've actually seen you look better in a different dress. Mm -hmm. Oh, you don't know. Okay. So you go on to your next person. You go, look at this dress. Isn't it great? And the next person says, you know, I'm not sure I love the color, but it's okay. And you're like, you don't know. Well, if you keep going on and on and you get in the same comment, and I liken this to like, what if people say, I didn't really understand that line in the song. Mm -hmm. Shouldn't, is it that everybody's wrong except for you? Right. Perhaps you should, a look mm-hmm.
0: change the line yep you know and don't just search for the answer you want exactly. actually listen to the that's people almost that almost guaranteed failure exactly yeah well before we wrap up I do want to talk one more I time talk about
1: your nails oh thank you I know people can't see it but they are I've still
0: got my spooky season nails on Love while it. we're recording this it's like, I'll, I'll post a picture y'all can see it Fabulous. but thank you very much <laughs> they're getting a little long and it's harder to do things right. but you know we'll we'll make it work um, <laughs> but I do want to go back to the artist that you said the the female duo that you're Carly and Martina. Carly and Martina. I want to talk about them a little bit because since you are diving into this world of representation as well in this time that we're in right now, which I do think that there is a slow shift starting to happen with women in country music. Yes. But how are you seeing it as somebody who is representing a new
1: female act? I'm mostly, I would say, writing with them and giving them loving guidance. You know. Okay. Yeah. Can. Um, they're amazing, and they're not country. They have a. They're. They're twins mm-hmm. and they write terrific pop songs and they work social media better than any probably anybody i've ever seen yeah because they first of all they grew up with it it's in their blood um i have absolute confidence that they will be huge mm-hmm. and um they have over two hundred thousand followers on instagram Dang. right now i mean they're they, they just turned 18 uh they're amazing I, I just i think it's funny i think in pop in pop they're, totally different world but yeah. they actually play a lot more women oh yeah totally a different lot more women. Well,
0: and that's why, so I, I kind of mentioned before how I came from pop radio and, or, well, I came from a pop world, but I also came from pop radio. That's where I worked. And, um, I, when I came into country, it was literally shocking to me. Yeah,
1: And you know what? It's embarrassing. Yeah, it's
0: embarrassing. And that's, you know, one of the big reasons that I started doing this podcast and doing everything, just trying to start in any kind of way to move the needle and in, in whatever way I can. But, um, but you know, I, I do love to see that it is happening in pop, and obviously, it's proving that women do want to hear women. Because who consumes pop music? Both men and women, of course, but women absolutely. You know what some of
1: the problem is is that this is crazy. But some of the the you know, I, I, hey, I love men. Okay, I'm very yes. fond of the species, and I work well with them. But <laughs> I would say some men produce women, not thinking what women want to hear. Yes, they produce them because maybe they think they're pretty or whatever. And they don't understand the songs that are going to make a woman stop, a girl stop, and, and buy them. So they're very safe. They're kind of generic. And they don't establish who the artist is. So there's such a disconnect some, sometimes. I mean, obviously, Miranda Lambert has the perfect you know, producer, and, and he does a great job. But there's certain younger artists who, I, when they get pitched around town, I'll listen to their material. I'm like, this doesn't speak to anybody. Mm-hmm. This is so safe. And doesn't, you know, I'm looking at your plaque right now. You have a Kelsey Ballerini plaque. She has a way of just, even if it's a fun, yeah, boy, mm-hmm. it still, it talks to the to the female yeah. audience. It's fun. Um, I just think sometimes men might miss the mark when they are selecting songs for women artists. I, I don't think it's actually a very... Um, I don't think it works well. Well, and that absolutely illustrates what we were saying earlier about why we need more women in
0: these roles that can really understand how to work with a female artist and not just like try to get the project done or something. And I I do
1: hope when somebody um, young is listening, who might be going to college or thinking about what to major in, if you're interested in the business of show, as we say, (laughs) if you're interested Really do like maybe take a music business class. Yes, you know? uh, take an engineering class. Even if you don't think you're going to be interested, take classes that don't have to just be. Oh, I I'm majoring in singing mm-hmm. and I'm majoring in the flute. You know, like do something. Do a bass. Do a guitar. You're going to find that you'll be hired more, and you might just absolutely love it. And you would probably, you know, people listening would have more influence on the next generation. Absolutely, I'd like to be where it's no big deal to have a female exactly drummer. when we don't have to say when a
0: Carrie Underwood or a Miranda Lambert tour comes out, Oh, it's all females. Yes. It would just be a tour yes.
1: that happens exactly. to have females on it. Yeah. Cause I don't, you know, I don't think it's good to have, we're not trying to, you know, this whole, I think sometimes you know this, everything has to move uh, far over before it comes back to the middle. Absolutely. And yeah. we are going to a little extreme on lots of things, which mm-hmm. is okay because that's how you, that's how to say what you said, move the needle. Mm-hmm. But in the, in, in a perfect world, it's just what are you? I'm a musician. Exactly. You know, yeah. I'm neither male nor female at this moment. I'm just a musician. Just mm-hmm. hire me.
0: Exactly. That is the ultimate goal for sure. Well, Victoria, thank you so so much for being here. Yeah, I had a ball. Thank I you. have as well. Again, the show is called Songwriters Under the Covers, and uh, All Arts TV app right. is the easiest way to find yes. it. Uh, make sure to check it out because obviously you can see she's an amazing host and everything. So and follow me on Instagram and follow too. her on Instagram. <laughs> I'll have her uh, her handle down and the show notes so make sure to check that out but um please come back again because this is great thank you so much thank you she is just so cool and down to earth i gotta tell you guys i had brought up how the last time i interviewed her was almost six years ago now y'all i was no one then like nobody knew me in nashville and to be honest i was Pushed aside a lot and kind of cast Out of a lot of conversations but Victoria was so kind and so Engaging that just always stuck with Me and it goes with one of the themes of this podcast Just be a good person that matters more than Anything all right time for some Thank yous first of all the lovely Victoria Shaw you are Really an inspiration to women in this industry Everywhere I appreciate you So much and to the breaking through team Brian Webb and Joey Salvia I absolutely could not do this without You guys thank you but most of all, Thank you for listening. If you listen to this podcast often, you probably know what I'm about to ask. If you haven't already, please take a second to rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts. The more we get, the more visibility the show has, which helps these stories and conversations to be heard by a wider audience. So would really appreciate that and would also love to hear from you on social media. I'm at Elena D. Smith everywhere. That's E-L-A-I-N-A. D as in dog, S as in Smith. But you'll hear from from me the fastest on Instagram. All right, I think that about does it for me. Talk to you guys soon. Bye. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.